0: Hello, Monetization Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Monetization Nation with Louis Gognier. In the last episode, we talked about finding success through great business processes. In the second episode, Louis shares four essential elements of customer-focused marketing. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. So you have a lot of podcasts that are extremely compelling. And so I want to give people a little bit of a maybe taste test of of your your podcast. I want to go through a few of the podcasts that have have resonated with me. And I just want to ask you about them. And maybe you could share some of your key takeaways or the things that, that stood out most to you of, of these podcasts. And maybe that'll um, motivate some of my listeners to want to come and subscribe to your podcast and, and maybe they'll like it as much as I do. All right. So um, first one is your podcast where you talked about the five steps to create a great go-to-market strategy. Maybe you could go through those and and teach our audience what what do you think is the most effective way to do a great go-to-market strategy
1: the first step is to is to exactly do what we said To have a proper go-to-market strategy, you first need to have a minimum viable market that you can obsess over. Once you have that, everything gets easier. You ask them the right question, such as uh, what channels are you hanging out on? What people influence you? What was the reason why you picked us over the competition? What, if anything, has stopped you from buying from us? What is... um, tell me about the very first time you ever thought about using a product like Iris. What was the journey? Once you understand that journey from the very first step then they ever thought about potentially using you all the way to right now, once you can paint that picture from existing customers, it's, it's getting quite easier then to pick the people that you seek to serve and understand where they hang out, the type of channels you need to work on and, and stuff like that, you know? So the laziest way to do a go-to-market strategy is to talk to your existing customers. Paying customers. Um, if you don't have them, the laziest way is to talk to customers who bought similar products in the recent past, so that you can understand their journey. You don't. It doesn't really matter the end bit, that the fact that they picked them. What matters is the journey. Why did they start thinking about it? Where do they hang out? What type of people influence them? That's what matters. And so you stop guessing and you come up with an actual strategy that is based on life, not boardroom bullshit. Yeah. So you're making data-driven decisions. Love it. Just focusing on what matters most in marketing, which is the market. That's, yes, it's data. Everything is data. But, but the problem with data-driven is it could become an obsession where you always need more data. And that's a problem that I see a lot, which is you will never have perfect data. As a result, you need to have a threshold, a standard of decision where... Once you have enough, once you've talked to, let's say, five customers who basically tell you the same thing, you don't need to interview five more and you need to move on, on and ship. So it's like this balance and it takes a bit of experience, it takes a bit of taste to get to that point of certainty or confidence, that, you know, we have enough. But this is, yeah, my problem with data driven is, is that it, yeah. it could be endless.
0: And the other problem with data-driven too is sometimes it's the wrong data, and and you kind of said it at the beginning when you were talking about why you didn't like data-driven is is it's it's not always about the people. Sometimes we're looking at the wrong data, and we need to look at the right data to make sure it's it's obsessing over the people, and yes. and really going to help the people.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can watch, you can look at your Google Analytics dashboard every day if you want and feel like you understand your people, but that's not true. Um, A lot of data on Google Analytics are misunderstood. You can go to the interest dashboard part of Google Analytics and it's going to tell you that people like, that are into lifestyle and fashion, and what does it do about the information? I mean, it's just absolutely useless. Um, What you want to understand is why people bought something. What is this one inside that is changing the game? I heard a marketing professor once who called that
0: your love group, right? Find the people who, who need your product the most, who are crazy about your product the most who prioritize your product the most and focus on that group first. And then you can sell the You can sell to the swing group through the eyes of the love group, right? But focus on that. Let's talk about storytelling for a bit. You had a podcast that talked about how to use storytelling to drive success. What, what are your thoughts about storytelling and how can we effectively- <laughs> S
1: word, storytelling. So people can't make the difference between a pretend story and a pretend experience that is told through a story or real experience. That's down to millions of years of evolution in the fact that humans are learning and are processing information better when it's part of a story, because that's what we're used to. As part of tribes, as part of living together, we tell each other stories so we remember stuff. So the reason why storytelling is an important thing and is being overused is because of that very fact. The fact that we can't make the difference between a pretend experience and real experience. Now, storytelling has always the same, um, exactly the same structure. A character has a problem and then meets a guide that calls them to action so they can reach their goal and avoid failure. That's basically what the fuck it is. Like, that's it. You can use any TV shows, movies, books, uh, examples. It's pretty much always the same thing. So storytelling is, a, as a, as a, as, is not going to solve your business problems. But once you obsess over your, 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 your customers, you can tell the story that you need to hear. And they are the hero. You are not. When we say a character has a problem and meet a guide. You are not the the character, you are the guide. And so it's your job to remove yourself from this need to be everywhere and seek to help them very much like you will tell the story of you guiding them through uh, reaching their goals, um, solving their problems. So it goes back to the same thing that we talked about.
0: I love it. What are some of the strategies that you use that you feel are most effective to
1: make good use of survey data? I I think the, the key thing is to make sense of it yourself. A lot of people who would actually outsource that step of making sense of the survey, but I think it's important that you go through it yourself and read the responses yourself. Um, I would focus more on the long answers than people who are like pouring their, their heart out in the survey rather than the shorter ones. Um, but at the end of the day, Designing the question is matters way more than, than you think. So you need to be very careful designing survey questions. Uh, we need to avoid leading questions. We need to focus more on open-ended questions. We need to ask questions about the past and the recent past instead of the future. People can't predict what they're going to like or what they're not going to like. So we must focus on what they know, which is the experience they went through before. One question I love to ask that I don't see being asked that much is, what are the cliches or pet peeves that you have about our industry or category? What, what are the things that you hate? I love asking this question because it creates a lot of ideas for then radical differentiation, which is about like removing yeah. those stuff that they it's hate. Yeah, I mean, marketing. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. Uh, how do you actually get uh, the journalists to open your emails and read your stuff? <laughs>
1: I would say like anything you need to think about it from their perspective they're busy they receive 50 100 pieces a day you better have an interesting thing to tell them something unique something that is really uh based on their on their what they like what they what they cover I think I think once you do that already you're pretty much uh you're going to be in the top 1% and then I would go out of my way to to send them the best email they've ever received or something at least different from what they are used to I would keep my email to one line, or send just a quick video, or or whatever it is. You know, I think it's they send those cold emails, uh, bulk cold emails to one thousand journalists at a time, and they think they're gonna get any reply. Instead of focusing on one thousand, just focus on one at a time. You know, Uh, send them something on Twitter. Follow their actual work. Uh, Build a relationship. Provide some value yeah I mean again, value right value, such an empty world in our world, everyone says value value being something that solved their problems or uh, help them to reach their goals, right so again, it goes back to the same principles. If you're obsess over a group of people, if you're obsess over that journalist, but if you if you obsess over that and make sure that they uh that you give them what they want, then you're good,
0: yeah. What's your favorite podcast that you've published over the last four years?
1: Favorite episode is probably the one that, is, that changed things for me. My perspective on things a bit for me was the one, the first one we said, Godin Where First of all, I was never expecting that he would reply and accept, <laughs> but he did. And then I came up with a question at the start, which was like, if I only give you $1,000 and you have uh, three months and you can't use your name or your credibility to start a new business, what will you do? And that created a lot of like creative kind of... Uh, it it puts everything into a box. It forces him to, 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 cre- to, be, to be specific, which is not really his strength. I, he likes to make you guess, and he likes to... He doesn't want to give you the map in general. But I think I managed to crack him on this one, and he gave the map a bit. And that, that, was, that is still the most popular episode. And it made me realize the power of a very good story from a differentiation standpoint, the fact that the podcast was such a radically different podcast from the rest that he said yes to it.
0: What, what was the map on a, on a real high level? What did you get out of that interview? What did you take away that you've been able to apply to
1: your business? Well, it, it talks about the fact that it's, it's marketing is about generosity. You can't expect to take before giving. So the first thing he says is like, he comes up with this business, which is basically a concierge service for Airbnb customers where instead of like picking random airbnbs you'd have someone who guides you to pick the best because they've lived in there before and whatnot but frictional he basically tells you to spend a week going through those airbnbs taking pictures yourself and creating the longest guide on the best airbnb in paris and then he tells you to send that to 10 people and see whether they like it and then send it to more and then spending your entire Two months replying to emails and helping people picking the right airbnbs and expecting that after a while people will basically talk about it to their friends and and after a while they'll they'll uh, they'll trust you enough to buy stuff from you, like to basically pick you as their guide or or as the concierge or you know so and and then it tells you to turn that flywheel and push that flywheel for a long time without expecting anything in return again the process the fact that you must push that flywheel over and over and over again without expecting anything in return for a while. And that stuck with me, and I knew that intuitively, but the fact that he made it so clear and so simple changed a lot of stuff for me. And that's when I also promised myself I'd never stop doing that podcast. I'd never stop pushing the flywheel because that's what it takes. And generosity is the name of the game here. I mean, once you switch your mindset from trying to take from people instead of giving people whenever i feel stuck whenever i don't really know what to do next i think about what what can i give away for free this time what can i give away and mm-hmm. what can i do and people respond to that because it's the reciprocity rule in, in psychology i mean we're humans again and the more you give the more you're going to get um and so that stuck with me and yeah i i, I think very fondly of this interview in uh still it's been four years now that i've recorded it
0: could you share with me your number one best
1: monetization secret? My the best tip would be to stop thinking about monetization because it's a very passive way, and okay. start thinking about how do you seek to serve the people that you seek to serve? How can you help them the best way possible? How can you do that? And by giving being of service, you will in return get what you need by generously helping them and generously you know, helping them to make progress in their life. And you will make money out of that. Uh, and yes, you can call it monetization if you want to. Yeah.
0: So so to restate, your greatest secret of monetization is to not focus on the monetization, but focus on serving people and giving back and helping people truly. And then monetization will happen as a natural result. You'll make the money you need to provide for yourself, but yes, that's not your initial focus. I'd love a couple of of good stories. Are there any stories either from your career or from your clients that you could share with us that that might illustrate some of the core principles that are important to you?
1: An example of obsessing over customers and how it turned out to be profitable for a business that I was working for. So I was working with Hotjar for like nearly four years. We spent so much time talking to users and customers Identify the ones who were the most profitable for us, not in terms of money only, but also in terms of time, uh, how much you know, they would suck the customer support or not, and how nice they would be with us, and you know, all this kind of stuff. So interviewed a lot of them. And what mattered at this stage was trying to find a positioning for the, for the company. So the, the Hoja was slowly crossing the chasm slowly becoming more and more mature and slowly reaching out to the early majority. People who needed to meet more proof, they needed to know whether Hoja will be staying there for the next five years and, you know, the software was any good and whatnot. So that that was the need to do that. We needed to change the way we were describing ourselves from all-in-one analytics and feedback to something a bit more. And a value proposition that was beyond new because that was our value prop at the stage. It was basically the first product of its kind to compile many features in one. And so we were new but after five years in business, that wasn't good enough. So interview a lot of people and ask them questions such as how we describe us to a friend and what is the one thing uh, that you like the most about us and knowing about their journey and who they are and stuff. And this is when taste and experience comes in. This is difficult to, talk, to teach. I can only tell you that you need to talk to people, ask the right questions. After a while, You'll, you'll develop taste on, on, on what ideas seem to connect and what are the things that seem to be interesting from a positioning and differentiation standpoint. Anyway, the core insight that I came back to all over, like over and over again, where all of those people were all relying on traditional web analytics like Google Analytics to make sense of their website, to understand what users were doing, to understand why conversions were dropping. But there was a massive problem, and they all said the same thing. They didn't tell you why people were doing stuff. They didn't tell you what users were actually doing on the website. And that was a big, dark spot for them. They didn't know. And Hoja was that light in the dark. That was the way for them to actually see what users were really doing on the website. So they all had that in common. And that's usually, you know, they all had that in common. And I also felt that it was interesting because we could point the finger at web, traditional web analytics. So I came up with traditional web analytics as the denominator. I didn't say Google Analytics um, because we were then able to point the finger at that enemy and to say, we know who's causing you pain. It's the traditional web analytics who we basically give you numbers but don't tell you anything behind it. And we leaned against them by saying, sure, traditional web analytics show you numbers about... What's happening on your website, but uh, it it can't tell you what's really happening from the perspective of users or something like that. And so that was the entire focus of the positioning. So I shaped everything around this one insight, and everything that that they've done so far, because I quit, uh, is around that. Is around the fact that um, we lean against that. Um, and um, and yeah, it's been it's been good. So. This is the beauty of talking to your market and obsess over them. You, you just get insights that are just, they seem very simple. They don't like, it's not crazy, but you need the confidence and the, the experience to kind of recognize it to be, this is the one that we're going to double down on going all in one idea instead of trying to say too many things.
0: Yeah. So, so being able to express the problem that they're facing, the big challenge that they're facing, um, can help differentiate your product. I guess to go back to a previous analogy that you gave, you talked about, uh, the customer is the hero, you know, we're the mentor. So, you know, if if our customer is supposed to be Luke Skywalker, right. And we're supposed to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. What you're talking about right now is creating Darth Vader right? Being able to, without Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker can't be a hero. There's no evil to overcome. And so you're you're talking about find the problem and be able to effectively communicate the biggest problem that resonates most with our audience. So it's
1: not exactly the problem. It's the reason for the problem. And so the fact that they have a problem and like problem statement, people know that and, and they understand they need to do this, but Pointing the finger at what is actually causing the pain is a very interesting way to help people make sense of the world around them. Uh, in fact, conspiracy theorists uh, have a higher uh, anxiety levels in general uh, than average people. They see control more than the average people. And their way to do that is to point finger at a group, at a box, at, at an enemy because by doing so, do you make sense of it? You summarize everything into one thing. Everyone is someone else's fault. Instead of thinking it's just chaos and just things happen sometimes, you know? Right. And this is the same thing. This is why storytelling is the same thing. We provide comfort and we we, we do the emotional labor required to provide comfort to a group of people by pointing finger at, at something. Now, the one caveat to be very careful about, because your example with Star Wars is spot on you want to be careful not pointing the finger at a direct competitor or at one person, at one brand. And you want to be careful not to point the finger at someone who, and the direct competitor that is not causing people's pain. When you really talk to people, usually Excel is something that people use that's causing them pain, or maybe employees who can't do that because, it's, I don't know, they, they, they struggle with it. You need to kind of identify that villain, but also making sure that you hate the, the game, not the players, and it's it's subtle, but it's a big deal um because if you make that mistake then it it couldn't all fall off so you can you can in fact the beauty of that approach is that I don't even have to tell you what i do uh i can only i can point the finger at one thing and say this is the problem uh and this this those are the reasons why um and this is where responsible and you can guess what I do.
0: Thank you so much, Louis, for sharing your stories and knowledge with us today. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, obsess over your minimum viable market. Number two, determine our customer's problem and provide the solution. Number three, ask customers the right questions to understand their needs. Number four, our questions should focus on the customer's journey, the journey that led them to us. Once we know this, we can stop guessing and come up with a strategy based on life. Number five, tell stories to drive success. Number six, in our stories, our customer should be the main character. We should be the mentor that helps solve the main character's problem. Number seven, stories help us remember things better and help us feel a stronger connection. Number eight, we need to give more than we take. We need to focus on serving our customers, not the money. If you enjoy this interview and want to learn more about Louis or connect with him, you can find him on his website, everyonehatesmarketers.com. Did you like today's episode? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, get a free monetization assessment of your business. Or number two, subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com com number three please subscribe to the monetization nation podcast or youtube channel and number four please follow monetization nation on instagram and twitter how has obsessing over your customers helped your business please join our private monetization nation facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers thanks for joining me for this episode i wish you success in your journey to build a customer focused business do you want to become a better digital monetizer to receive great monetization stories and secrets please go to monetizationnation.com and join free and if you liked today's episode please subscribe to the show and share it